0: Listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast, where experts share experiences and the latest thinking on mental health and psychology. Here's your host, Gabe Howard. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast. I'm your host, Gabe Howard, and I want to thank our sponsor, BetterHelp. You can get a week free just by visiting BetterHelp.com/slash PsychCentral. Calling into the show today, we have Dr. Amy Green. Dr. Green is the Vice President of Research at the Trevor Project. In addition to leading the Trevor Project's annual national survey on LGBTQ youth mental health, her team publishes multiple research reports per year, plus monthly research briefs that help inform the work of the LGBTQ youth serving agencies and mental health organizations. Dr. Green, welcome to the show. Thanks
1: so much for having me, Gabe. Great to be here.
0: Since 1999, June has been set aside to celebrate and honor the experiences of the LGBTQ plus community. Since 2009, June has officially been called Pride Month, and I'm excited to welcome the Trevor Project to our show to help us understand the unique risk factors that members of the LGBTQ plus community face when it comes to suicidality. But before we dive into that, Dr. Green, can you tell our listeners what the Trevor Project does?
1: The Trevor Project is the world's largest suicide prevention and crisis intervention organization for LGBTQ young people. And we provide support to youth who are in crisis, feeling that they need an accepting person in their life to help get them through a challenging time. And so we do this through a number of confidential crisis programs on our platforms Such as Trevor Lifeline, Trevor Chat, and Trevor Text. And so those are 24 7 available ways for LGBT youth to reach out to someone at any time that they are in need. And we do that again over online and on the phone, since that's where youth are often spending their time. We also have the world's largest safe space social networking site for LGBT youth, and that is called Trevor Space. And we have innovative public education advocacy and research programs. This all works together as a a united force to really better support LGBTQ youth.
0: Now, it sounds like you're saying, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that the LGBTQ youth have a higher risk for suicide than the national average. Is that true?
1: Yes, unfortunately, that is true. And it's something that folks suspected for a decent amount of time uh, just out of anecdotes, stories, things that they knew, stories about bullying. And then more recently, so like in 2015, 17, 19, at the federal government level, a lot of data was collected and then actually showed that compared to straight and cisgender youth, so those who aren't LGBTQ, LGBTQ youth were at more than four times greater risk of attempting suicide in the past year. Let's go to high school youth, for example, those who aren't LGBTQ, about 5% of them attempt suicide uh, in any given year. And that in itself is a really high number to think of, one in 20 youth in high school. When we get to LGBTQ youth, that number gets up above 20%. Youth suicide is unacceptable and preventable in the first place, but now we have a population who, unfortunately, has a much higher risk.
0: Why are LGBTQ plus youth at a higher risk for suicide?
1: Well, there's been a a number of of studies done over the years, and what it's really boiled down to is that there's not something inherent about being LGBTQ that increases risk for mental health challenges or considering or attempting suicide. Unfortunately, it's the way LGBTQ youth and LGBTQ people in general are treated by those who are close to them, like rejection from friends and family and other important people in their lives by schools and bullying experiences that may be hostile to them, all the way up to, you know, on a societal level, experiences of discrimination, victimization, having policies that prevent them from having equal rights, that this is pretty cumulative. And it adds up. And when we think about adolescence in general, it's a time where, where folks are seeking acceptance so much, just looking for people to accept them and to love them as they are. And for LGBTQ youth. Unfortunately, a, a lot of those youth face rejection, and that can be really painful.
0: What are some of the key risk factors for LGBTQ plus youth suicide? Are there specific warning signs that differ from the general population? In terms of warning signs, and I haven't seen too much research that talks about different warning signs for suicide,
1: and they may be things like Talking very specifically about not wanting to be there or making comments about, you know, people being better off if they were gone. Things like giving away some of their possessions, really withdrawing from life, not caring as much anymore. I haven't seen too much that shows that that might differ. But the parts that get them to that point are often a bit different for LGBTQ youth one of the the most powerful uh, negative risk factors is rejection, um, particularly as it comes from people who are close to them, so their friends and family. That's something that fortunately most youth don't have to experience in terms of existing being who they are. And your friends and family are usually the people who stand up for you and love you the most. And having those be the folks who are saying, you're wrong, I don't accept this, you can't be this way is, is really painful. Also, bullying is a problem for youth in general, but bullying takes on specific risk when it's related to aspects of a youth identity, so related to their sexual orientation and gender identity, as well as experiences of discrimination. And for transgender and non-binary youth, those experiences happen in all sorts of places and can include things like not being able to use the bathroom that aligns with their gender. And, and it's really a lot of cumulative risk related to how they're treated based on their sexual orientation and gender identity. And then also, we see a lot about that there are, unfortunately, right now, a lot of discriminatory policies continue to pop up across the country. And we think about youth sometimes as being maybe disengaged from the political process, but they're not. They're paying attention and they're, they're seeing hate and they're seeing harmful rhetoric about who they are and their identities. Those are all risk factors and those are risk factors that are pretty specific to LGBTQ youth. So while the, the things to look out for in terms of if, if a youth might be at risk for attempting suicide look pretty similar, the things that get them there are actually different and pretty centered around their identity.
0: Dr. Green, I know that you lead the research team for the Trevor Project and the 2021 National Survey on LGBTQ plus youth mental health just came out. I know we, we can't read the entire thing on this podcast, but what are some of the key findings of that survey? Yeah, thanks for asking,
1: Gabe. You know, this past year has been incredibly difficult uh, for so many uh, with everything that's happened. But we also know that LGBTQ youth face some unique challenges and Our 2021 survey was able to capture the experiences of nearly 35,000 of those between the ages of 13 and 24. This is our third year doing it. And so one of the things that we're seeing is that we're not seeing large overall changes in terms of the percentage of LGBTQs who said they seriously considered side or attempted suicide in the past year. It was about 42% this year for those who seriously considered in the past 12 months and our past years. It's been around 40, so pretty close in terms of suicide attempts. Our overall rates in the past couple of years have always been somewhere around 14 to 15%. So seeing some stability there, not seeing high increases necessarily related to what's happened in the past year with the COVID-19 pandemic. But one of the things that we did new this year is that when our overall report came out, we segmented not just by sexual orientation, gender identity, and age, but we we really looked at that data on how it interplays between LGBTQ identities and youth race, ethnicity. And that's where some of the, the findings really start to look more stark. So when I said that 14% overall attempted suicide in the past year, what well, was 12% of white youth. That's around or a little lower than we've seen in the past years. But for our LGBT youth of color, 31% for Native Indigenous youth, 21% for Black youth, 21% for youth who had more than one race ethnicity, 18% for Latinx youth, uh, and then Asian Pacific Islander were right around where white youth were at 12%. But it's it's really important for us to think intersectionally, and that's one of the things we've really focused on in our work. Because if we if we look overall, the message could be, oh yeah, well maybe everybody's kind of doing okay in this COVID 19 pandemic. It looks like not too much different from the previous year. But when we really start breaking that out we see that there are youth who are struggling more. And and that really, in our work, ends up being LGBTQ youth of color and LGBTQ youth who are transgender and non-binary who also had much higher risk. One, it's an unacceptable level in terms of considering and attempting suicide, but also that there are segments of the LGBTQ population who are struggling more. And that ends up paralleling the data that we see on risk factors. So we have data on discrimination experiences, on food insecurity in the past year, On whether or not they've experienced conversion therapy or someone trying to change their sexual orientation or gender identity. And these are experienced by those who are transgender and non-binary and LGBT youth of color at higher rates. And so we're sort of directly seeing this interplay of some of these risk factors and having greater levels relating to suicide risk. I think in the pandemic, one thing that's been really interesting is the conversation has shifted towards mental health a lot. And it's been really interesting and great to see in terms of when we think about destigmatizing mental health and all the interesting things that have happened with digital therapeutics and telehealth. But in our data, we're still seeing big gaps in terms of LGBT youth who want mental health care and are able to receive it. Most of our sample who wanted mental health care weren't able to get it. And that's, that's even greater disparities for LGBTQ youth of color in terms of most of those who wanted it weren't able to get it.
0: It seems like all of the risk factors that you keep mentioning are societal. There doesn't seem to be any risk factors that are, are physical attributes or anything like that. It's just the way that our society and culture treat people who are in the LGBTQ community. Is that an oversimplification or is that exactly right?
1: I love that framing. When we talk about LGBTQ youth, we need to get away from thinking at this individual level or or risk that's inherent to a person and think about this, what's called the social context, everything that's happening around them. And you're spot on that with LGBTQ youth, the risk factors that we're seeing are that social context. It's the environment that they're living in. When LGBTQ youth are provided with support, they have an affirming space, they're not having discrimination, they're doing pretty well it's one of those things where there really need to be some changes in the way that we treat people in order for for the mental health and the mental well-being of this group of youth to to start improving.
0: Back to the 2021 national survey, you noted disparities across gender and race. Is that still just caused by our society and nothing more?
1: You know, 2021 was a was a rough year for a lot of folks, but one of the, the data points from our survey was that 67% of Black LGBTQ youth and 60% of Asian Pacific Islander LGBT youth reported that they were discriminated based on their race, ethnicity. We had some data that we looked at where we broke down ways that youth could have been discriminated against based on their sexual orientation, based on their gender identity, and then based on their race, ethnicity. And I, I would encourage folks to, to take a look at the survey when they're able to on our website, but you'll see it's it's probably one of the most drastic bar charts that we have on our graph because you can see the numbers go from when these youth have no instances of discrimination, it's quite low, and then it goes all the way up to 36% if they have three different instances of discrimination. So going from, I think, 7%. When they say, no, I've had none of these types of discrimination, and remember I said that that national average was around like five, all the way up to 36%. And so, yeah, absolutely, it's it's compounded. Those youth have multiple aspects of their identity that they are experiencing rejection, discrimination, stigma, and, and it unfortunately adds up.
0: I think that the average person can understand that when things go wrong in your life, you're more prone to a mental health issue. For example, a breakup, divorce, losing your job, financial issues. The thing that helps alleviate all those things is support, time, and understanding, Grief may be misunderstood, but when somebody dies, we have rituals surrounding it. People bring you food. There's there's an understanding from your coworkers. Is it fair to say that it's sort of like that for the LGBTQ community, minus all of the understanding and the support? They're just, I hate to use the word, it's just an onslaught of negativity that they can't escape from and that nobody seems to be looking to resolve. For
1: some... So, and I, I think it's important when we talk about resilience, and, and you talked about resilience in adults. There are a lot of youth that we hear from in our surveys. We, one of my favorite part of the survey, especially when I'm looking at some of the the harder to swallow data, is that we have this really rich qualitative data where we ask youth questions like what's helped them thrive in their life or what's helped them find joy in their life. And the responses are just overwhelmingly positive for some youth and and for other youth it, they struggle with figuring out that answer. And, you know, we've made a lot of progress in the past couple of decades for LGBTQ rights. So there are a lot of youth where they're in supportive environments. And so there's some youth for whom this is not a day-to-day struggle for them. It's celebration. It's it's you know, we talk about pride. They are proud of their identity. They have a rich community of LGBTQ friends, of friends who are not members of the LGBTQ community who support them. Those youth are really doing well. But we also have some youth who, as you described, where it's hard when we talk about suicide risk, we often talk about hopelessness and inability to to look towards a brighter future. So for those youth, yeah, it can feel sometimes like there's there's an onslaught of negative news, particularly if they're then in a home or school environment where they're not supportive and and that hopelessness is another risk
0: factor for, for depression and suicide, unfortunately. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I know managing my mental health and a busy recording schedule seemed impossible until I found BetterHelp Online Therapy. They can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in under 48 hours. Just visit BetterHelp.com slash to save 10% and get a week free. That's BetterHelp.com slash Join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. And we're back discussing the Trevor Project's 2021 National Survey on LGBTQ plus youth mental health with Dr. Amy Green. Now, I know that the reason that the Trevor Project does the National Survey on LGBTQ plus youth mental health is not just to give us a whole bunch of negative information. It's to help find solutions.
1: Yes, it's actually one of my favorite parts to talk about in our survey, which is that A lot of times when we talk about LGBTQ youth and suicide, because it's such a strong public health problem that we have to solve, we think of LGBTQ youth as all being at risk for suicide. And well, you know, maybe as a society, there's always that sort of inherent risk in anyone. The majority of LGBTQ youth are not attempting suicide each year. Uh, And despite the world not being as fair and as, as equal as it should be for LGBTQ youth, particularly those who are LGBTQ youth of color and trans and non-binary youth, there's still a lot of good things happening. And so we have a section on our national survey where we actually pull out some of the words that they have. And, and a lot of it is visibility. So things like seeing rainbow flags and stickers in public when there are celebrities who are out with pride. So LGBTQ celebrities who are proud of who they are, being connected to other people, having schools that support them. One of the more interesting ones I thought that, that you've said is how they thrive and find joy is something that you know we started this podcast with, which is learning more about LGBTQ history and learning more about the LGBTQ community for youth that, that can often be a source of strength. Um, and so there's a, a lot really that can be done out there in terms of when we talk about the, the society and the, the negative pressures of society on LGBTQ youth. There are also a lot, of, a lot of folks in society who are doing really great things, sometimes just by being who they are and being visible, that are helping LGBTQ youth to feel better about themselves. If the social context is one of the biggest sources of risk for LGBT youth, then the social context is something that we can change. And by having more positivity around, that's something that can help them actually feel better.
0: And as we've mentioned, the Trevor Project does the national survey on LGBTQ plus youth mental health so that they can increase access and will find ways to increase access. What are some of those ways? That's a great question. Um, unfortunately for
1: LGBTQ youth, there's a, a large number of barriers when we talk about mental health care to receiving care. When I think about youth, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist as well and, and have been you know, seeing youth and working with youth for a couple decades now. Um, And I remember in the beginning that the biggest problem with youth and mental health was awareness and stigma and getting folks to even acknowledge or know to have awareness that they might be struggling. Anyone who's ever tried to access mental health care in the U.S. has probably experienced that challenge of it it is not a straightforward, easy system to negotiate in terms of finding the right provider who accepts the right insurance, who's accepting clients at that time who, you know, you're able to get to. And so for youth, This is the barrier that we all know exists in the system, but they also have concerns about LGBTQ competence of providers. There's a lot of fear that if I find someone, they might try to convert me and tell me that I shouldn't be queer, I shouldn't be LGBTQ, that they'd have to tell their parents and that their parents are part of the reason why they're struggling the rejection from their parents in the first place. Part of it is getting the data out so that folks know what the barriers are. But also, you know, Trevor has a a public education team and a, a big part of that. Is providing training for folks in how to understand LGBTQ identities, how to support LGBTQ youth, and I think that's really important because I believe that there are a lot of well-intentioned mental health care providers out there who would love to be able to support these youth, but who may not have that knowledge and and who may accidentally say something that is hurtful and harmful, um, or who may you know unknowingly think that they're helping but but really provide further discrimination to those youth. And so that's a big part of it in terms of increasing their access is making sure that that we increase the pool of folks who are able to serve them and you know that includes both the knowledge but also providers finding ways to let youth know that that they are accepting and supportive of those who are LGBTQ and that can include, you know, safe spaces, rainbow stickers, ensuring that, you know, their materials and their website feature folks who are part of the LGBTQ community that talk about that as types of individuals who they're looking to serve. And then when I think about youth and access to mental health care, the immediate thing that comes to my mind are our schools. And so while there may not be a way to provide mental health care for every single youth through the school, I think our schools are going to need to find some ways to identify youth and have referral networks, there are some schools that have what are called school-based health centers where they actually have medical providers and mental health providers on staff. But, but particularly when we think about, if we go back to where this all started, we talk about suicide risk. The key to preventing suicide is to recognize and to refer. And so being able to have places like schools that have suicide prevention policies That are specific content on LGBTQ youth and how to assess and refer and to help those youth get care is is a big step I think for our schools.
0: What are some of the protective factors or key ways to prevent LGBTQ plus youth suicide?
1: That's a really important question for us to ask when we think about how to help and framing it from a a positive standpoint. And my first answer to the question is always so easy uh, because there's so much research supporting it, and that is support and affirmation from others. When we look at differences in suicide risk among LGBT youth who have lots of access to affirming spaces, schools, their home, events in their community, um, and lots of people who affirm and support them, relatives, friends, straight friends, LGBTQ friends, doctors, hospitals, when we look at that, the data is striking. One of our data findings found LGBTQ youth who have at least one accepting adult are 40% less likely to report a suicide attempt. When I say risk factors, rejection is one of the biggest ones. On the other side for protective factors, it's acceptance, it's affirmation, it's support. It's so crucial during the adolescence and young adult period. Other protective factors are having a positive identity and ability to authentically express their identity, We know that positive role models, including folks who are in their day-to-day life, and that could be teachers, people who are in their churches, who are in their community events, as well as folks like celebrities and influencers who they follow on social media. When they have folks in their lives who are LGBTQ and visible and proud of their identity, it helps LGBT youth in turn feel proud of their own identity and feel comfortable as their authentic self and that is also a protective factor against suicide so finding ways to help youth feel accepted and feel that they are able to be authentically them so when we have inclusive policies they also serve a protection function the signifying of what those equality policies meant to them was enough that it in turn reduced their risk for suicide when we can have policies that are supportive that promote equality how those can actually reduce risk.
0: What are some things that our listeners can do to support our LGBTQ plus youth?
1: So let's start with the basics. First, letting LGBTQ youth, they know, know that they're loved and valued just as they are. That's how you show acceptance and support. And we're always encouraging everyone to work to be one of those accepting adults in a young person's life. Going back to that stat that, that LGBTQ youth with at least one accepting adult had a 40% lower risk of suicide, we encourage folks to find ways to be that person, to be that accepting and supporting adult. This also can include visible signs of support, rainbows, safe space stickers, using LGBTQ inclusive language. So thinking about the way we talk, minimizing using gendered language and language that implies a world that is based purely on heterosexual um, cisgender folks, making sure that our language is inclusive one way that folks can do this is to open the space when they're working with by including their pronouns. So my name's Amy Green. My pronouns I use are she, her, and I'm the vice president of research at the Trevor Project. That's how I open most of the meetings that I have with folks. It allows the space for someone to say their pronouns without having to be misgendered in the beginning and I think that it shows folks who are LGBTQ that this is a comfortable space. This is someone who's allowing me the space to be my authentic self. Paralleling when I talked about protective factors, right, so we've got the, the visibility, the acceptance, and then let's go to the other part, which is the ongoing fights for equality in the LGBTQ community, particularly for transgender and non-binary youth. For those who are who are able to, who are in a position to speak out against some of these harmful initiatives trying to ban trans and non-binary youth from participating in sports, from using bathrooms that are appropriate for their gender identity, that all of those, we're able to be in a place where we can support politicians who, who are not following those types of, of policies, but also to vocalize support for these youth to say you know these policies are wrong this is harmful this is going to harm youth particularly us in who are in the in the mental health field there's a number of places in which policies come up that we know are in direct opposition to the evidence base on what is good and what is bad for mental health and so speaking out finding a place where we are able to say this is harmful you're you're going to harm youth both to hopefully have an impact on those policies but also because they're listening Youth are listening all of the time, even for things like politics and political decisions. But I think sometimes folks think like, oh, well, they have they have other things that they're following. They're listening. Uh, we, one of our stats that we use from our survey year over year is the percentage of youth who say that recent politics negatively impacted their mental health. We had our highest number this year and unfortunately 94% of LGBTQ youth who said that recent politics had negatively impacted their mental health, their sense of self and well-being. It's a really high number. And so for each of us to do what we can to counter that message, whether it's in person or it's on your social media accounts. LGBT youth are listening, and and they're looking for messages of support and care.
0: Dr. Green, thank you so much for being here. Where can folks find the 2021 National Survey on LGBTQ Youth Mental Health? And of course, where can they find the Trevor Project?
1: Thankfully, they can find them at the same place on our website, thetrevorproject.org. There will be on the the landing page, a link to our national survey. We have a a pretty cool microsite where they can go on and explore findings as well as a PDF. And that is also the starting point for all the other information, including our resources, as well as a place for LGBTQ youth to reach out for help and for folks to learn more about how they can help LGBTQ
0: youth. And listeners, please keep in mind, that's the o r g. Thank you to all of our listeners for being here. My name is Gabe Howard, and I'm the author of Mental Illness is an Asshole and Other Observations, as well as a nationally recognized public speaker who would love to be at your next event. You can grab a signed copy of my book with free swag or learn more about me just by heading over to GabeHoward.com. Wherever you downloaded this podcast, please follow or subscribe to the show. It's absolutely free. And if you have a minute, review the show. Tell other people why they should be listening. I will see everybody next Thursday on Inside Mental Health. You've been listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast from Healthline Media. Have a topic or guest
1: suggestion? Email us at show at psychcentral.com. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show or on your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening.